Father God, would you please speak through my weak and foolish words, and would you show us your glory? Amen. Well, I um, wonder what you imagine heaven to be like. Because uh, in our reading today, Peter, James and John get a glimpse of heaven. Uh, actually, there is a clue here, um, uh, which, um, let me just check, out, where it says right at the beginning in verse 28, now about eight days after these sayings. That's a very strange thing for Luke to write. Why after eight days? Obviously it was after eight days, but elsewhere he doesn't write that. And we're being given a clue about something here. Uh, if the old creation, it, it began on Sunday, and the first Saturday is the seventh day, that is the Sabbath day on which God rested, then the Sunday after that Sabbath is the eighth day. It's the day when Jesus rose from the dead. It's the first day of the new creation, the new thing that God is doing with this heaven and earth. And so it's a glimpse that we're saying, you know, this is the eighth day, and suddenly they see Jesus glorified. And what we do here is we get a photo, a snapshot of heaven, in which Jesus is speaking with two people from the Old Testament, Moses and Elijah. And the disciples see his glory. And in this glimpse of heaven, first of all, we see the glory of heaven. It is a shared glory. Jesus is shown to be the Son of God. He is the creator and sustainer of the universe. He is shining with a radiance. All light and all colours radiate from him. Uh, we're told that his glow clothes are shining brilliant white. Uh, and, and white, uh, when you refract light, when you refract white light, you see all the colours of the spectrum. It's all in that light. Jesus contains all things. Um, you, you have, a, a, I hope, a little sheet, uh, and on it you, there is a, a, a picture, an icon of the transfiguration. So you've got Jesus at the top, shining white, with Moses and Elijah. And at the bottom you've got Peter, James and John. Uh, and it's hard to see this because it's all black and white, but maybe you can see it. How the icon writer, the icon painter, is showing that all light is coming from Jesus. It's cascading down the mountain. Everything is lit up by his light. And here, Moses, in our reading, Moses and Elijah share in that glory. They appeared in glory, we're told. This is a glory which transcends time and space and death. Moses lived 2,000 years before Jesus. Elijah about 700 years before Jesus. And yet here they are, both of them, speaking together with Jesus. 
And our reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 speaks of how when we look at the glory of the Lord, the glory of Jesus, we will be transformed. We will begin to reflect, to shine with that self-same glory. John writes about that in one of his letters. He says when he, that is Jesus, is revealed, we will be like him. For we will see him as he is. It makes sense. Alison, my wife, has a theory that dogs look like their owners and that husbands begin to look like their wives. <laughs> but whether that theory is true or not, it is true that you begin to become like that which you focus on. Remember that when you go onto the internet. Remember that when you're watching Netflix or television. We become like that which we watch. And if you look at, if you focus on sheer love and beauty and truth and glory, you will change and you will begin. You will begin to become love and truth and beauty and glory. So we're given a glimpse of heaven. We see the glory of Jesus and we see Moses and Elijah sharing in that glory. But also we see a shared heart. Again, in this snapshot of heaven, we see people who are talking together. There are two sets of relationships that we see in the transfiguration, if you like, in the top part of the picture. Jesus is praying. He is pouring out his heart to his Father. There is Jesus' relationship with his Father. And the Father speaks and shares his heart, his pride, his joy. He says, this is my son. This is my boy. My chosen one. And then there is Jesus' relationship with Moses and Elijah. They appear with Jesus and they're talking with him. They're not talking about the weather or what a lovely spot this is. Well, they may be, they may be. But we're told that they're also talking with Jesus about the one thing that must have weighed so heavily on the heart of Jesus. What would that be? What's facing Jesus? just a few weeks and months ahead in Jerusalem. It's his arrest, his trial, his crucifixion, his execution. Jesus knew what he had to do and it overwhelmed him. So as he meets with Moses and Elijah, he shares with them the thing that most concerns him. They speak together about Jesus' departure. The Greek word is exodus, the departure that he will accomplish in Jerusalem. They speak about his death on the cross. Heaven is a place of shared glory and it's a place of deep intimacy. It, it, it's not about individuals sitting on their clouds and playing their harps. It's about persons who are in deep communion, one with another. We don't really have a word in English that catches us. Russians do have a word which captures that 
sense of sharing your whole self, the word dusha, the word, the words, well, I, I, how can I translate it? The word soul or heart. We talk about having a heart to heart. We talk about sharing our hearts when we share our longings, our fears, our hates, our delights and desires. But it's more than that. It's about sharing our innermost being. So how should we, gl- how should we respond to this glimpse of glory, this snapshot of heaven? Does it mean, for a start, that if I haven't had such a vision, then I'm not a Christian? Far from it. I know that of the twelve, only three of them saw Jesus in his glory. And while we can pray, and probably should pray, and long for such an encounter, such a meeting, what people in another tradition would call the beatific vision, the blessed vision, the fact that we have not had such an experience doesn't mean we do not belong to God. And often when those experiences and encounters do come, they come when we least expect them. In a dream, an unexpected healing or miracle, a sudden encounter or revelation. But I suspect the majority of us will never have that. And even if we never have such an experience or encounter with God this side of death, we know, we know that one day each one of us will see this. We will see Jesus in glory. So how should we respond now? Well, again, we're told how not to respond. Peter has this experience, this encounter, and he is overwhelmed. He responds by trying to capture it, by doing something religious. When he speaks of dwellings, the word that is used is significant. It was a specific type of dwelling, a a, a specific type of tent used in one of the great Jewish festivals. So, So Peter sees Jesus with these great figures from the Old Testament, and he is overwhelmed. He, he thinks, this is amazing. I need to do something. I need to do something religious. <laughs> I need to do something that will enable me to keep this experience. Jesus, let's make some tents, some religious tents, and then Moses and Elijah and you can stay here. And we're told he's not really thinking straight. He doesn't know what he's saying. There are times when heaven breaks into earth. But never, ever think that you can catch heaven and bring it down to earth. Anyway, that's the wrong way round. If anything, heaven wants to catch you and lift you up to heaven. So how are we to respond? How are we to be caught up by heaven and lifted up? How are we to discover the intimate secrets of God? How can we focus on the glory of God and so begin to reflect his glory? Well, the voice from heaven tells us, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Listen to him. 
Who has Jesus just appeared with? Moses, the great giver of the law. Elijah, the representative, possibly the great, greatest of the Old Testament prophets. God has spoken through them to his people in the past and people listened to their words. They went to the synagogues and they heard Moses and the prophets Elijah being read. But the cloud comes representing the glory of God and Moses and Elijah disappear and the only one left is Jesus. And the voice comes from heaven and says, Listen to him. And that's the key to all of this. When we realise that Moses and Elijah and the Old Testament is always speaking about Jesus, about his coming, when we hear and receive the Gospels and the rest of the New Testament as they speak to us about Jesus, we are listening to Jesus. We hear him share his heart with us. He speaks of the Father's deep, deep love for his Son. He speaks of what he delights in, of all that is good and right and beautiful and true. He speaks of his deep desire for creation, for this creation, of his grief and anger at how we have walked away from him, turned our backs on him, and of what we have done with this creation, with each other, with ourselves. And yet he also speaks of his continued love for us. He speaks of the great cost of that love to him, of what he's prepared to do, the lengths he will go to in order to bring us into communion with him. And as his word comes into you, he speaks to you of his profound and deep, and passionate love for you. How do I know if someone is a Christian? It's not that they've had an experience of God, it's not that they're religious, that they're building tents here and there. Rather it is that they have a love for the Word of God. If I love God, then I will love what God says I will long to hear every word that God speaks. Doesn't mean to say that I need to enjoy reading, far from it, I may not. Although I have heard of people who have learnt to read in order to read the Bible. But I will want to get as much of the word of God as I can. I'll want to listen to it, to understand it. And if I don't particularly want to, I'll still do it because I know that if I don't want to today, tomorrow I will want to. I will want his word to fill my mind and come into my heart. I'll want to know the innermost secrets of the heart of God. I'll want to begin to think like God, to love like God. And it's as we listen to Jesus Christ, the chosen one, the Son of God, that we will begin to share his heart. And as we begin to share his heart, so we will begin to share his glory. I've put on this sheet here a quotation. I'm not going to read it. It's from C.S. Lewis's sermon, The Weight of Glory. I really would encourage you to go away and to read it. Don't read it now. <laughs> uh, it's fatal, isn't it, to give something out like this. But um, it is beautiful about talking about that future glory. 
But you know, if, and if we have never had a transfiguration experience of God here and now, we will see men and women who, in a small way, like Moses in the Old Testament, reflect that glory now. I think of Stephen in the Bible. He was on trial for his life. And as he speaks of Jesus, we're told that his face shone like the face of an angel. I think of a former police officer. She responded to an alarm call from a local bank in the city of Nottingham in England. She walked into the bank and was hit uh, on the back of her head. When I met her, she had been paralysed from the neck down for eight years as a result. I went with the Bible study group that I was part of. We were going to sing carols to her as she lay in bed. And as she looked at us, her face simply shone. I think of Father Kirill, the Father Confessor of the St. Petersburg Spiritual Academy, where Alison and myself were. We never spoke with him, but we heard of his story. He served 30 years in total, sentenced to hard labour for 10 years on three separate occasions. Why? Because he was a priest and because of his faith in Christ. And his face shone. Or I think of Lucy, a member of my previous congregation. She had a very precious Christian faith. She was dying and for the last two weeks of her life, she was in dreadful pain. And yet when I saw her a few minutes after she died, her face was not just at peace, that often happens as the muscles relax, but her face was radiant. I am convinced that before the moment of death, she was granted a glimpse of glory. How should we respond to this snapshot of heaven, this glimpse of shared glory and of shared hearts? This is my son, my chosen, listen, listen to him.